Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to The Communicators on the Keys 107 Network with your host, Brother Leroy, on Blog Talk Radio. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Now back to the communicators with your host, Brother Leroy. Say these words. 
have formed the Eagle Academy Foundation, and they, with their friends and concerned parents, have begun to build a network of schools that are creating in the minds of the black boys who are going there, and this is an academy dedicated to black boys, has created in their minds the notion of I can, I am, and I will achieve. Our guest online, uh, if we haven't there yet, is Brother David Banks. He heads up the Eagle Academy Foundation. Are you with us, my Okay, he may not be. I'm asking, is Brother David Banks with us? Okay. Brother Leroy, David Banks is not with us yet, but um, keep okay. it going, and um, we're, we're trying to connect him. Okay, no problem. Ladies and gentlemen, we're reaching out for Brother David Banks on this weekend, holiday weekend. It's... Um, you know, just what it is. But there are those of you in the audience who've heard our previous shows and you may have questions or you may have comments based on what you've heard. The telephone number here is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad and we can engage in a conversation of sharing insights and ideas up until the time that Brother David Banks joins us. And once again, this is a classroom of a higher scale. That means when we're in a university setting, quite often the students, without the professor being there present, will engage in conversations that sharpens the mind and skills of each and every person who is in that classroom. So you have I'm on a radio show. Oh yeah. So let them know. So nobody bother me. I'm on a radio. Show. I forgot. They had me pulling me up on this radio show. Okay. Um, uh, is this David Banks? Yes, it is. How you doing? Okay, my brother. We were. I was engaged in a conversation with the audience, and I heard my brother, brother David Banks. I've already introduced you as being the head of the Eagle Academy Foundation and the environment in which this program is taking place, and that is part of the series of the Gifted and Talented for All series that we've begun here in the Communicators, which you've got to communicate from us on. And please share with us the inception of the Eagle Academy Foundation, the minds behind it, and the intent, and what the accomplishments have been to date. Well, uh, good evening to you, Brother Leroy, and to your audience. Um, you know, the Eagle Academy was created back in 2004, uh, really, uh, as, a, as a response to the uh, citywide and, in fact, national crisis uh, that uh, so many of our young men were facing. Um, back in 2004, when we opened our first academy as the first all-male public high school in New York in 30 years, uh, the graduation rate for African-American males in New York City was only about 32%. And, and if that's not a crisis, I don't know what is. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, people have conferences about it, and they talk about it, they write about it. But uh, but we said, you know, at the end of the day, somebody's got to do something. And, 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 and so we stood up with the courage of our convictions to try and be in the gap. Uh, 
the 100 Black Men organization, and, and we ultimately created the Eagle Academy Foundation, which would be the driving force behind this work. And what has happened since that time is we opened a school in the Bronx, a flagship school, um, that would really be about character development, academic excellence, and leadership development for young men um, mm-hmm. in our city. And, uh, and since that time, we've opened academies in uh, in Ocean Hill, Brownsville, in Brooklyn, in Southeast Queens, uh, in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, this coming September, we'll be opening our fifth academy in, in Harlem, and we'll even be in, in Staten Island next year. Uh, so uh, by this September, we'll be serving over 2,000 young men and their families, and uh, our full growth plan is to be serving over 4,000 young men year in and year out. So we're not just talking to talk, we're walking the walk. Give us an idea, a, a model of what happens in the Eagle Academy that doesn't happen anywhere else. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a spirit of brotherhood and a culture that we have established uh, with, a, with, a, with a level of expectation, really, for our, for our young men. Um, there's a level of, of, of cultural uh, relevance uh, that we make sure that our young men understand, which is, I think, very important. Young men have to understand, um, be taught about their history so they understand where they're, where they're from and so that they know where they're going. Um, that's something I think that's take, uh, taken for granted in lots of other places. Um, and I think that that's something that separates Eagle uh, from what lots of other schools do. We also find mentors for our young men. We've engaged mm-hmm. men from the community, mm-hmm. men who have their own careers, their own families, uh, but, but but men who've had a level of success to come back and to share their journey with these young men and help them to understand uh, that as many of the challenges that young men face today, uh, so many who came before them face those same challenges, and they they need to have those men in their lives. Um, when these guys are younger and they've got mom and, and their first-grade teacher, Miss Jackson, and their fifth-grade teacher, Miss Williams, that's fine. Uh, but but when, as they start to get older, uh, they need to have men who can stand in the gap and help them in this, this journey to manhood. And uh, close to 70% of uh, African-American children are growing up, without, growing up without fathers in their homes. And so mm. I think that that's a huge uh, thing that when we started at Brother Leroy, we knew it would be a good thing to have. We didn't have any idea just how critical it would be in the overall development of these young men um, that they had men um, to kind of stand in there in the gap for them. Um, and in addition to that, we just do things like we have an extended day program. Our kids are in school longer during the day. They're in school on Saturdays as part of our Saturday Institute. Uh, we bring in guest speakers, and we provide opportunities for kids to get internships and to study abroad and to be engaged in things as simple as chess and robotics and debate. Um, we reduce the amount of idle time that our kids have, and we keep them engaged in very positive uh, uh, activities. And I think finally I would say that uh, while they all belong to Eagle Academy, everybody at Eagle Academy belongs to what we call a house which is a smaller subset within the school. Another way to keep them all connected and so that nobody slips through the cracks. And every house is named after some iconic figure from our community, whether it's Roberto Clemente or Thurgood Marshall or Obama or Malcolm X. Everybody is part of a house. And within the house system, we we build competition. So young men get to compete amongst each other because young men love to compete. Um, but they don't always like to compete one-on-one. They like to compete my guys against your guys. 
and uh, and so we we build a healthy uh, competition within the school, um, and I think that this is just some of the things that we do that helps to build a spirit of brotherhood, so that these young men really truly believe that they are their brother's keeper, and uh, and that's the that's the culture that we've established at the school. Let's go to uh, the first thing that you mentioned: expectations. It is understandable that the administration would have that because the administration being the individuals who basically pull this this uh, Eagle Academy together would have expectations that they they the students can learn if given a certain curriculum and provided with a certain environment. The wild card here are the teachers based on the history of the teacher corps in New York City and in a lot of the so-called inner-city schools. How have you been able to recruit or condition teachers within the Eagle Academy to have the same expectations that the administration has? It's, it's an ongoing level of, uh, of training and professional development and, uh, and just the, the culture. See, culture is very powerful because culture really is, if it's a strong culture, it's very pervasive. If it's a negative culture, it's also very pervasive. Uh, so when you come to a place like Eagle, teachers recognize that um, this is not a place that you can come and kick your feet up and think that you're just going to go through the motions and it's okay. Um, you, you'll feel the pressure from other teachers, people who've been with us from the very beginning who've helped to establish the core of what this is all about and people who truly believe in this mission. Um, and so we've done well with that and that people, we don't have teachers who are even drawn to come to to, to work in a place like Eagle uh, if they believe that, hey, they're, they're here to take the lazy way out or they're not here to really try to drive for success. Um, you know, they're not, they wouldn't be comfortable in a place mm. like mm. Eagle. Uh, okay. You know, there's, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, you, you stand out like a sore thumb. And we've had a couple of teachers like that, and but they don't stick around very long. Uh, right. And so uh, we've been very fortunate. I think it's important to note that, you know, Eagle Academies are the Eagle Academies are traditional public schools. They're not charter schools. So our teachers mm -hmm. are all unionized teachers. And in spite mm -hmm. of that, and that was strategic. You know, we wanted to show that we could, in fact, move the needle in the, in the traditional public school setting. So no excuses. You know, people would say, well, you're a charter school, so you have a certain amount of flexibility of different things that you can do that we can't do. And we said, no, 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 we're a traditional public school, just like the school down the block. What's the excuse now, you know? Um, uh, and so we've been able to establish um, we've been able to establish that level of expectation. And so, uh, and then the teachers also help us because they, they help to recruit other like-minded teachers. You know, teachers don't want to be surrounded with other folks who are lazy and not going to work hard and that, and that kind of thing. So we've been very fortunate in that regard. Okay. And, uh that recruiting of like-minded teachers is something that a uh, mentor of mine mentioned. He's a long-time educator in New York City, Charles Wilson. <clears throat> and he mentioned that as, uh, as a key factor in making the school work. Now, when you, when you look at curriculum, in New York State, there was the effort to Developed and it was developed the curriculum of curriculum of inclusion. What right. aspect of that curriculum 
have you been able to incorporate into the Eagle Academies in light of the fact that other schools have have uh, basically shunned that particular curriculum? Yeah, there are a number of pieces that we've, we've actually been able to incorporate, you know, that into some of the teaching uh, that we do. The curriculum of inclusion has a, not only a number of lessons, uh, but it's it's really an outline around, um, you know, making sure that kids understand the contributions that have been made, you know, by not only African Americans, um, but, but other groups of color as well. Um, and... Uh, and so our teachers and uh, have been, uh, and our individual school leaders at our different schools have been free to kind of utilize uh, various pieces from the curriculum of inclusion that they find works most appropriate with the population that we have. And so, you know, I mean, we have, each one of our communities is just a little bit different. You know, our Bronx, our Bronx population is a little different than, let's say, our, our, curriculum, mm-hmm. our, our, our population that we have over in Newark, New Jersey, as an mm-hmm. example. Um, um, but but beyond the, cur- the curriculum itself, uh, how we bring the curriculum really to life is, in fact, by the people that we bring in on an ongoing basis, and that's 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 no small uh, undertaking. Uh, and so every year we we've got the Tuskegee Airmen who come in to speak to our young to speak to our young men. These are walking, talking pages of American history, um, and exposing our young men, you know, to you know, not only what they would read in the books, but to actually meet somebody, some of these airmen uh, and to understand their stories and the contributions that they've made. Um, that's the thing we found with boys that's different, is that, you know, with girls, a lot of times you can, uh, and I know I'm generalizing a little bit, but with girls, you can speak to it and they can kind of get it in their mind's eye. Boys, you got to show them. they got to mm-hmm. be able to reach out and touch and feel it. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's very important. We, we do a lot of... Uh, of real experimental learning, and we bring in folk on an on- ongoing basis uh, who, who are constantly reinforcing um, these these issues that, uh, that, with respect to curriculum, you might just see in the, on the pages, but we do our best to really try to uh, to make a deeper meaning of those pages by by the actual presence that we're able to bring in of uh, of individuals who come in and can tell the stories. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to. The Keys 107 Network, the program is The Communicators. I'm Brother Leroy, the host. Our guest online is Brother David Banks of the Eagle Academy Foundation, based here in New York City, and expanding beyond New York City into the outer realm, Newark being one, and also into additional boroughs after their initial start in the Bronx in New York City. You are welcome to join in the conversation. 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad, and that puts you right in line to be in a position to ask and interact in this classroom, and we invite all to consider participating. Now, uh, experiential learning, uh, break that out for us. Experiential learning compared to what? I compare to uh, your traditional chalk and talk where you'll have a teacher who will just, uh, you know, just give a lecture for an entire 45 minutes and kids find, uh, you know, the, the, the actual class to be boring. Um, you know, experiential learning is essentially, hey, there's, there's some teaching that is done by the teacher up front, but then an opportunity for, for kids to, uh, to, to, do, to work on, on specific projects themselves. And, to, and because the best... 
the best way to learn is by doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and 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 so and for boys in particular, that's it's critically important that the boys have the opportunity to really kind of get their hands dirty, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. to break out and work in groups and understand, you know, have the, the opportunity to really kind of go deeper in terms of their understanding of the work. Uh, because uh, when somebody tells you something, you understand it at a certain level. Um, when you have the opportunity to do it, you understand it at a deeper level. When you have the opportunity to teach it, it takes your, your understanding to an even deeper level. And mm-hmm. uh, and so that's the charge that uh, our teachers know that as often as they possibly can and where, you know, where it's most appropriate, we try to make sure that in any particular lesson, kids have the opportunity, you know, for the, to hear the teacher, kind of lay out a particular concept, and then uh, the teacher knows as part of their responsibility now to give it over to the kids and give them a chance to make meaning of what it is that they think that they heard uh, by the teacher. That's just good teaching practice, but it's the kind of practice that is really important when you're talking about working with boys in particular. And uh, you question. What are your lab facilities as it relates to science uh, classes, et cetera? What do you have or have been able to have within your school structures? Yeah, we do pretty well. Um, I mean, so as an example, I mean, we got to remember we've got different schools, and so each one is just a little bit different. Uh, our flagship school in the Bronx is probably one of the most state-of-the-art facilities in the city. Uh, we're in a $55 million state-of-the-art facility that was that the city built for Eagle, um, that was built from the ground up, and uh, it it not only has a state-of-the-art lab uh, laboratories for science learning um, for our kids, but it also has all the top-of-the-line technology. I mean, we're talking about laptops and all of the classrooms. We've got smart boards where you can do interactive learning. You can pull up anything that you're talking about and get it right up on the web in front of everybody and and, and be able to uh, really have real-time learning that's actually happening uh, right in front of the classroom. Um, We've got a a video uh, distance learning conference room where we could connect with somebody anywhere in the world and and have a fully interactive session with them right there in the classroom. Um, Mm. Now, that's not – we don't have that in all of our schools. I mean, the the technology is something that we're constantly trying to get better at. Um, but our school in Queens is fully outfitted, I mean, with all of this, the, you know, state-of-the-art technology. Um, our school in Brooklyn uh, uh, doesn't have the um, the laboratory space quite like the other schools uh, do, but uh, that's something that we're working on as well. Um, the facilities for Eagle Academy are not the issue uh, at all. Uh, we, we, we've got the requisite facilities. I hear I hear some of the horror stories about other schools that don't have this, the labs, they don't have the gym space for the kids to be engaged in physical exercise. Uh, th- those issues are not issues for us. I mean, we we've got all those kinds of things that we that we need. Um, uh, it, it's really just about um, just staying the course and continuing to try to get better at what we do. When we originally created the first school, we started at the ninth grade. Uh, but we quickly learned if we wanted to be really, really successful and get every young man through, uh, we needed to start a little bit earlier. So now our model is we start at the sixth grade, and we get them right as they come out of the elementary school, and we take them all the way through to 12th grade. Uh, we let them know uh, this is the last school you'll go to before you go to college. Uh, and so uh, that work is 
starting earlier has been transformative, really, uh, for us and what we're doing and helping to make sure if you get these kids in, the, in middle school and you get them before they settle in on lots of bad habits, we'll mm-hmm. be just that much more successful. And uh, and that's the work that we're engaged in. Charter schools have the notorious reputation of being, quote, selective, and observers say selective in order to enhance the performance within the school as it, as it relates to testing, et cetera. What is right. your selection process for the Eagle Academy student body? The the city of New York essentially controls the um, selection of the students who get in. We don't really select it at the school level. So there's a, it's, a, it's essentially it's a lottery. It's not a public lottery like the charter schools do, but it's one that's controlled by the Department of Education. Um, and it was it's designed to make sure that there is no what they call creaming, where you're just ch- taking the best kids and you can get the best performance numbers. And uh, and it's clear when you look at our demographic, we've got we've got the most um, challenged population in the city, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, the citywide average of, of, of special education, you know, is about eight percent. If you've got eight percent of your student body is it has, uh, uh, you know, students that have some kind of a special education designation, meaning that, you know, they've got some academic or social-emotional behavioral problems or whatever. The 8% right. is about the citywide average. The charter school's average on on that is is a little less than 2%. Mm. Mm. The Eagle Academy number is 29%. Whoa. We're, we're, we're more than three times the citywide average. Mm-hmm. And that, and the reason for that is because when you look at the numbers of who has been designated as special education, they're talking about black boys. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it is. So the Eagle Academy mm-hmm. is all black boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. we've got Latino boys, but it's a concentration of African-American Latino males. Well, those that's those are the kids who who have been designated special education. In mm-hmm. some cases, it's warranted. In lots of cases, it's not really warranted. In lots of cases, it's... It's the teachers who uh, who, who uh, designate these kids with that, uh, that 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 stigma early on because um, they don't understand the boys, they don't know how to work with them, and so they consider some of the behavior to be over the top when all it really is is just boy behavior. And you just mm-hmm. have to have a faculty who understands how to work with these young men and how to get the best out of them. And so uh, when you recognize that the charter school is only doing about 2% special education, the Eagles doing 29%, there's no comparison between the populations that we that that we're even working with, um, but we knew that the, what we were going to have was the, was the, was the population that was was the was the most challenged. Um, and uh, but that's that's our mission to to, mm. to make sure that our boys that we can get these guys to the finish line, these young men. And uh, and it was never designed for us to take the best and the brightest and then pat ourselves on the back about the great job that we did. Mm. Um, you know, I don't knock other schools for you know specialized schools who just get the who get the top and the cream of the crop. But uh, but the whole mindset and the whole mantra, really, the mission of Eagle was to say these young men that we complain about, that we see on street corners and hanging yeah. out and wasting their lives, not doing anything. We said, well, how do you impact that? How do you how, how do you get to these guys a little bit earlier so they don't wind up on that street corner? So that you help mm-hmm. them ultimately understand their potential and uh, and that they come back to the community to do the right thing uh, and to give back to their community, which is also a huge part of, of, of the work that we do. This is not simply about learning how to read and write and 
do math and do well and graduate and go to college and never come back. This is about having a level of social consciousness so that you understand that this community which supported you and nurtured you and helped to develop you, that you have a level of responsibility because there are people whose shoulders you stand on who help you. So you, but you have to understand that. Kids don't understand that innately. They have to be taught that. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they think that they did it on their own. And then what they do is ultimately they go out and they get their degrees and they get their good jobs and they never come back. They That's never right. reach back. Right. And therefore, the condition in the community never changes. It never improves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge difference, I think, in terms of the, the mindset that we have, the approach that we have, that I think other schools, charters and others, uh, who who are teaching our kids so that they can do the work and they can ultimately graduate, but they don't they don't have any cultural connection to their community and they understand that it is your responsibility to give mm. back. You don't have to necessarily move back to the neighborhood per se. But you gotta understand that the young brothers who are coming behind you and you are your brother's keeper and you ought to reach back. If if we if they walk if they leave this educational journey and they don't get that, we missed it. Mm-hmm. All you did was help some young men to get it for themselves in this kind of whole individualistic kind of approach, which doesn't change the condition. And that's what we're about, trying to change the condition. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest online is David Banks. He's the head of the Eagle Academy Foundation here in New York City. We're talking about the accomplishments with students who would otherwise be cast to the side. You just heard him mention 29% of their student body consists of so-called special ed designated students, boys, and we're going to get into some of the victory stories that he has to share with us, the turnarounds, the special ed guy that was, uh, hey, he's never going to graduate from high school, he's never going to go to college, and, uh, you know, he's nothing but bound for the streets, et cetera. We're going to get into those stories after we hear these announcements. And once again, you're invited to call in 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618, and you'll be on the line with Brother David Banks, so stay tuned. We'll be right black after these announcements. You are listening to The Communicators on the Keys 107 Network with your host, Brother Leroy, on Blog Talk Radio. Stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and 
now back to the communicators with your host, Brother Leroy. And we're black, ladies and gentlemen, and thankful to the Most High for blessing us with another day on this good earth, another day to do some good deeds for our family, for our community, and for humanity. And ladies and gentlemen, passing on the ideas that you get from this classroom is doing a good deed. And we have on our lines as our guest, Brother David Banks of the Eagle Academy here in New York City. Once again, you're welcome to call in, 213-943-3618-213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad. You can join in the conversation. Now, talk to us about victories that have occurred at the Eagle Academy. Those individuals or that group of students who coming in had, uh, let's say, challenges or problems. And after two or three or graduation, these individuals have gone on to be productive, taking civil service tests, going on to college, getting into a trade, etc. What stories do you have to share with us? Uh, we, we, we've got so many of these young men who I think uh, their stories of resilience uh, is just so, it's it's for me, it's just so inspiring for me just to, to know these young men and, and to watch their lives be transformed. Um, you know, we, we had a young man, Shahid, who uh, grew up, uh, you know, um, father, mother was an alcoholic, father was, was an absentee father, and uh he he spent uh, his four years with Eagle Academy, really kind of going from um, homeless shelter to homeless shelter. You know, mm. um, very very challenging uh, home life. But uh, and he said the one constant in his life was Eagle Academy. You know, where where we gave him the level of nurturance and discipline and focus and and support that he needed. And uh, he never gave up on himself, and he was constantly inspired and. And he went off to Buffalo State to go to college, and now he's a teacher. And uh, he's not teaching mm-hmm. at Eagle, but, you know, just to be so proud of him. This is a kid who you would have easily, easily could have seen him becoming a statistic, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and he made it, you know, and he made it. And, and we've got so many like that. Uh, you know, we've got a, one of our young men, uh, you know, kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum. He was a real solid kid. A uh, real solid young man, but to watch how his life just flourished at Eagle, and uh, he was our first student to be accepted to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Oh, you know, wow. and, and watch this young man go off. And but we've got kids at Morehouse and Syracuse and Carnegie Mellon, and you know, I mean, they're at the, the big schools upstate, and they're at the, the small HBCUs. Um, they're all over the place, all over the country now, um, as we graduate these young men year in and year out, um, and, and just watching their, 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 what's happening with their lives. Uh, one young man just uh, recently graduated uh, um, with a degree in, uh, in, uh, in economics at mm. Union College, right? Mm. And, uh, and, and what was interesting is he said, you know, I've done everything you asked me to do. Now I need a job. You know, and we, <laughs> and we were able to help him, and uh, he just got a big, a, a, a great job at one of the big uh, brokerage firms, and uh, and and here's a young man we knew him as he came in out of the eighth grade, um, and and he, you know he wasn't a problem. He was a solid, solid young man, 
But a lot of these young men who are solid still find themselves lost if they're not in the right place that gives them the right kind of guidance. And sometimes exactly. if they're not lost, they don't reach their potential. And uh, uh, and so we've been able to help uh, so many of these young guys to hmm. really be able to reach their potential in the work. We're not done. I mean, this is, we're still very much a work in progress. We're trying to get better and better at this thing every single day. But the one thing I will say uh, is that Eagle is a place that has a culture, um, and, uh, and and I think these young men are just find themselves thrilled to just be a part of this larger brotherhood uh, that I think makes all the difference in their lives. And so I'm I'm, a, I'm personally excited, really, to be a, a part of Brother Leroy. Talk about parents' commitment. Yep, yep. Um, you know, parent involvement is something that I think schools uh, across the country struggle with, and uh, and it, this is parent engagement may in fact be the strongest point of the work that we do. Uh, when when Joel Klein was the chancellor of the school system, and now Dennis Walcott, both visited Eagle years apart from each other, and both said the same thing. They both told me if I don't do anything else, I need to write the book on how we're doing this parent engagement piece because there are no schools in the city that are doing it like we're doing it. We we get re- we get standing room only turnout of parents um, who come out and who are engaged at, at our schools. They did. You would be hard pressed to find any school in the city that does parent engagement like the Eagle Academy does. Uh, you think when, when you come to a parent meeting, you think there was a show going on or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we do it. And the reason for that, again, is expectation. We, we established that from the very, very beginning. We told the parents, the same forces in our community that don't believe in our sons, they don't believe in you either. They don't mm. believe that you uh, value education or, or want to stay engaged with your son, particularly as he gets older and he's in high school, when we, when we start to see parent interest really wane and their involvement really begin to subside. Uh, we let them know, no, 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 you, you can't slow down at this point. you got to keep running until we run through this finish line. And and what I think is amazing is, again, it's, it's the power of culture and expectation. When parents understand that they're in a place like Eagle where uh, you can't just take off, you can't not be a part of what we're doing, um, it's amazing to see how they will rise to that level of expectation. Um, lots of schools just put up a slogan, and we want parents to be involved, but they really don't believe it. At Eagle, we believe it, and we practice it. You see, you don't show, you don't show up and get involved at Eagle. You hear from somebody, and nine times out of ten, you're going to hear from another parent because we've empowered our parents at a level. It's not about the principal calling you or the teacher calling you. It's other parents who are calling you to say, hey, Debbie, you know, or hey, Rodney, or whatever your name is, you know, they, they all get the, the parents. The parents get to know each other at the level that their sons get to know each other. So when you heard me say earlier that we have the kids broken up into houses within the school, so they all go to Eagle. But if you're part of the of the, um, the, the X house, the Malcolm X house, all of the parents within that house know each other. And so when we have gatherings, we have parent captains, people who are responsible to call the other parents to make sure that they know what's going on and when our next meetings are and what they're expected to be working on because this is not just to be an an impartial observer. They've got projects that they're doing. They've got ways they're helping to raise money for the school and things that they're looking to do for the kids. So, so, so they're all we are all true partners in this work. And we tell parents from day one, we're not here to be a babysitter. 
this right. is not going to work unless everybody is playing their position. And, uh, and we believe that, we practice that, and we enforce that. And you'd be amazed to see how that thing takes off when you have a level of expectation and then you back up what you say. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have a few more minutes with Brother David Banks of the Eagle Academy Foundation based here in New York and doing a fantastic job. I can say that now, and I knew that at the top of the show, but if I had said it at the beginning, you saw this guy's promoting. No. Based on what I know from previous interviews and folks who have said the Eagle Academy is on and our own observations of how it's grown, that tells us that they're doing a fantastic job to be an independent public school, independent meaning just right along with the rest of the crew. Telephone number 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. You're welcome to join in the conversation. And Ebony Magazine has uh, zeroed in on the Eagle Academy work and you are included in their series on black boys. When the reporters and photographers came to your Eagle Academy, what did you hear from them as a surprise, something that really caught their attention or the things that really caught their attention that made them say, wow, I didn't know that it was like this? Uh, well... Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, whenever we have uh, reporters who come or writers who, you know, working on a particular story, um, first of all, I think walking in the door, um, they are they are impressed immediately walking in the door um, because, first of all, in our, in our schools, the, the walls will speak to you, you know, um, you, you you will see the images of the young men all over the building. Mm. You know, all the young men who graduated from the school, their pictures hang all over the building. Mm. You know, the young men who graduated, their names are listed on the wall uh, as the young men who were part of the early days of evil and helped to establish this. And it's, just, it's, it, and it's something that all the kids aspire to. They all aspire to see their name and their picture on the walls. Um, the people who come who speak at our school you know, their pictures hang from the walls, so you will see that. You will see the quotes, you know. You'll see the, the pictures of Trey Guevara, you know, uh, the portraits that hang as one of the houses in the school. Um, so I, I think walking in the door, because the walls will speak to you, um, people are, are very impressed by the images, first of all. Second of all, when they see the young men, not only in shirts and ties and looking sharp, but who will shake your hand with a firm handshake that, that, that anybody who believes in themselves will give you and look you in your eye. Um, things that I might, I, I, might, I might take that for granted, but people who have visited other schools would say to yeah. me, don't take that for granted. I've visited other schools, man, and, you know, you get the kids, they don't have the confidence, they don't look you in the eye, they give you a weak handshake, you know, they don't believe in themselves. Uh, so when, so for them to walk in and walk into a school with 600 young brothers strong who stand straight and will look you in your eye and can hold a conversation with you, or otherwise just be cordial, uh, shows a level of confidence um, that I think makes people immediately upon entering the school say, whoa, this is a different kind of place. 
Uh, Nobody's hanging out in the halls. Nobody's hanging out on staircases. None of that kind of mess. It's a place that's serious, uh, and young men are about their business. Um, uh, Teachers are fully engaged. You can walk from one class to the next. And you you won't see a classroom where teachers got their legs kicked up and reading the newspaper and kids are running wild. No, that, that doesn't happen at Eagle, you know. And so, again, it's, it's it's those kinds of things. I think it's just to see that young men are very serious about what they are doing. Um, that That is the – and, again, it doesn't mean that we don't have young men who struggle. We do. Um, but, but that doesn't rule the day. And I think that uh, – when when people have been used to seeing young men walking, you know, in a school and everybody's walking around with coats and hats on and and otherwise looking like school is the last place in the world that they want to be, I think what you see, Brother Leroy, in a word that uh, I think kind of encapsulates everything that we do that I think impresses people when they come is you see the light. They see the light inside of these young men more than anything else. Doesn't mean that you have the highest average in the school. Doesn't mean that you're the best kid in the school. But the light has gone on. And people can see the light in these young men. They can see that they're in a school where they recognize that we got their back. You don't have to be a tough guy. You can just be a young man, 12, 13, 15, 17, whatever age you are, and we are we are there to help guide you naturally into uh, this journey toward manhood, uh, you know, far too often these young men have to conduct themselves like they're grown men already and they're only 13 years old. But they come, so they have to wear that armor to try to be a tough guy. But they come right. to Eagle at a place where they can take the armor off. And I think mm. when, when these writers and people who do the story, they're looking at young men who the armor has been removed and yeah. the light is shining. And I think uh, in a word, I mean, that that's really... I think what people find to be the most uh, impressive thing. What What are some of the accomplishments in the area of robotics and chess and uh, whatever other programs that have enabled the students to participating in those to travel and to interact with other people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it runs across the board. We have so many activities, um, and it, it's just about really, it's not even so much a, how many competitions they've won or anything like that, because across our schools, there are varying levels of success depending upon the particular activities and depending upon, you know, any individual group of kids that happen to be working at that time. Um, but I think collectively it, it is the fact that the kids are engaged in these different activities, which really just keeps them um, focus. It helps to develop the skills that they need that help that are also helpful for them in school and with the overall school work that they have to do. When you learn the skills of chess, chess helps you to think critically. You know, it helps you to understand how to focus, how to center mm-hmm. yourself. Right? Yes. And so um so so whether or not you win a specific tournament is not as important as you understanding the principles of what chess is. Uh, similarly with robotics, understanding kind of the, the, the kind of the principles of of of, of STEM and, and and building your skills and getting better. Um, I think one of the most impressive things is find kids engaging in debate. Um, you know, debate requires a level of research, critical thinking, uh, writing, you know, public speaking, all those kinds of skills that are kind of built in. Um, you know, but then you got we got kids who are playing lacrosse, wrestling. You know, mm. not necessarily even the traditional sports. I mean, we've got all the traditional sports, baseball and basketball and all those things. Um, 
But we try to find as many different things as possible for mm. for the young men, uh, not pigeonhole them into any one specific activity, but to find the thing that will ultimately help to uh, help that light to go on. Because you know, you may not be so much drawn to you know, drawn to your English class or your history class, but hey, if it means that you what you really want to do is to uh, play basketball or to be on the wrestling program, then you recognize that in order for you to get there, you got to handle your business in your English class. You got to handle your business in your history class. So uh, uh, whatever it takes, you know, and everybody's not the same. Every kids need very different levels of motivation, and exactly. uh, and we just we just try and create all these opportunities. The other thing is that we 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 don't get to send all the kids, of course, but but uh, we try to send you know a couple dozen kids to study abroad, uh, which is a six week uh, program in the summer where kids get a chance to go and uh, we send kids to France, to South Africa, to China, to Paraguay, and. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you how much that transforms the lives of kids. You know, we, we say we want them to be globally conscious and globally competitive. Uh, that's part of the mantra of Eagle Academy, globally conscious, globally competitive. Um, but in order to do that, it's hard to do that if you've got a neighborhood mentality, if you've never left your block. Exactly. You know, you don't understand what's really happening in the world. We can talk to them about it, but when you give them the opportunities and the exposure to go and see other parts of the world, um, mm. it's not, not, nothing, nothing better than that. Hmm. And in terms of the political support that you obviously have to have had in the beginning and that may have uh, strengthened as the academies have done their work with the students, talk about that. The first person that we ever met with when we came up with the concept of Eagle Academy, the first elected official we met with was Hillary Clinton. She was our senator in New York still at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and she's the first person that we met with, and she got she understood what this was from day one. In many ways, became our biggest supporter. She arranged a meeting for us with, with Bloomberg, who was relatively new as the mayor at that time, and uh, and she uh, you know she she set us up to meet with him and to make sure that we were going to get the support from the city. Because you have to remember, we're talking about the first all boys public high school in New York in 30 years. Uh, there were there there was uh, there's been federal uh, uh, complaints that have been made to say that single gender schools in public schools should not stand that they're that they're inherently uh, unconstitutional because that means brother Leroy if we have an Eagle Academy that means your daughter can't go to the Eagle Academy it's an all boys school and yet you're a taxpayer right why should your daughter be prevented from going to a public any public school and so there was that issue. Um, but there have been there's been federal legislation that has already been enacted that says single gender schools can in fact be an option in communities as long as there are similarly situated single gender schools for girls as well. And so you can't just have Eagle Academies as a standalone and no all girls schools. And mm-hmm. so uh, if anything else, we came in response to what was happening with the girls movement because there were already three or four all girls schools in New York before there was any for boys. And so Eagle came to balance the playing field, if you will. Um, and so, uh, so we 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 met with Joel Klein, uh, who was the chancellor back then, and we were, we were told that we were going to have the support of the mayor and the, and the city government. And so, if they, even if there were any lawsuits, they had our back, and uh, and we went with that. And it's been that way really uh, ever since. We've we because we've got Eagle Academies now in so many of these different neighborhoods around the city. Uh, we've got a lot of, ele- of these elected officials. 
you know, who have reached out and have come to the school, have visited, and and I try to be supportive in as many different ways as they possibly can. So um, we really do enjoy, I think, a wide spectrum of political support. Um, we really haven't had any real opposition uh, to this work. There, there are federal complaints from National Organization of Women as well as the ACLU um, that still seek to ultimately wipe out single-gender schools uh, for uh, for young for, for for young men and if, as well as young ladies. Uh, and if the ACLU really gets its way, the Eagle Academy would ultimately have to close its doors. Um, but uh, but we're standing strong and standing faithful. And uh, and I think it's important that the community pay attention to what's going on here um, because we've always said nobody should be mandated to go to Eagle or any other uh, single-gender school. But but people of means and influence and power in this community and in, in, in this society have always maintained all their options for their children, whether they want them to go to a big school, a small school, a theme-based school, a single-gender. They maintain all options are on the table. And we've simply said that, for our, our young men and our community, this ought to be an option that, that the parents and the young men themselves should be able to at least avail themselves of that as an option if they think that's the best option for them and their families. We want the same thing for our young men that anybody else has for theirs. And in terms of as we conclude our interview with you, Brother David Banks, the uh, two things, uh, our notion that in, in, in starting the series and Gifted and Talented for All is that the majority of the students in New York City in particular are left out of Gifted and Talented opportunities simply because these Gifted and Talented programs are based in non-black communities primarily. Your academy's work and what you've described says plainly that the curriculum, the inclusion of the various hands-on experiential learning, the uh, components that one would normally find in so-called select schools, debates, uh, the debating team, robotics, the uh, chess teams, and I would imagine multiple languages, et cetera, that you are proving that the individuals who are traditionally left out of gifted and talented programs are indeed gifted and talented when they have the right curriculum and environment and expectations in their own communities. That's the statement. I don't think I I don't think I could say it any better. <laughs> I, think you, I think you nailed it. Absolutely. With uh, it's a, this is it's 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 an opportunity gap that our young men face. Uh, when presented oh, with the proper okay. opportunities and the proper support, they can perform as well as anybody else. Um, but these these are systems that are really designed, you know, to to to, to really keep our young men uh, kind of out, and not only our young men, but our young people in general, uh, African American uh, boys and girls, are are, are really left out, uh, you know, of of the uh, of, of of taking advantage of these these kinds of uh, opportunities. You know, a lot of these kids that are in these gifted and talented programs are taking other kinds of courses that help prepare them for these singu- singular tests that are that are taken in order to get into these programs, you know? Yeah. It's just one yeah. one test that gets you in. And so it's it's not even like everybody's starting out on an equal playing field. Most of the kids who are actually able to get into those programs, um, you know, they've had, you know, the benefit of uh, of prep courses that help to them to do even better on the exams. 
You know, and it doesn't mean that you're any more intelligent than anybody else. When I was a young man, and I, I had an opportunity to take a couple of those kinds of exams, um, I remember my dad was able to put a few dollars together to help me take a prep course. Anybody right. doesn't have a chance to do that. Right, exactly. And there were some basic things that I learned just about how you take tests that helped me to get a higher score mm. than I otherwise would have gotten. And it had, mm-hmm. it had absolutely nothing to do with my level of intelligence. It, it, it had to do about just knowing how to take the test. I'll give you an example. Uh, you read a long passage. You know, they give you these multiple choice questions. And there's a long passage that you read. And at the end of reading the passage, you're supposed to answer some questions, right? And so uh, one of the things that they taught us in the prep course was read the questions first so that you know what you're looking for as you read the passage. Otherwise, you can get caught up. You can get caught up in the passage. And uh, it's a little thing like that, and it made all the difference in the world in terms of how I scored on that test. It had nothing to do with my intelligence or whether somebody was, that guy sitting next to me was any smarter. It had nothing to do with that at all. And those are the kinds of things that our kids don't get the advantage of, that kind of prep work um, that will put somebody else ahead of the uh, ahead of the game. Um but, you know, the struggle continues, Brother Leroy. They don't give yeah. it to us. We've got to continue to fight for it. Exactly. And that's the whole notion of this gifted and talented for all is to stimulate in the minds of parents, educators, and community people who are listening things that we can do as a people in our own families, in our own communities, in our mosques, in our churches, in lodges, things that we can begin to do to augment the education of our children, regardless of what school they may go to, this supplementary education, whether it's trips, whether it's starting a chess club, even debate clubs, these are things that we can begin to do within our own communities, given the number of retirees who are lawyers and doctors and teachers. Uh, they can teach some of what they have learned right in their church basement on the weekend. And I would like for you to share with the audience as we close uh, maybe two or three things that you would recommend in order for us to save more and more of our young people. Mm. Um, One, I would say, uh, first of all, is um, we've we've got to spend as more quality time with our kids, Uh, number one, just first of all, starting at home, number one. You know, my dad who raised, my mom and dad raised three sons, I'm the oldest of three boys, and one thing my father taught me as I, and I've used it as I've raised my own four children, uh, is uh, he said, make sure that your children are not part of the problem, first of all. You can't be out here trying to save the world and your kids are all screwed up, all right? And so, first of all, make sure that you, make sure you're spending the kind of quality time with your own children first and foremost. If you can't do anything else, do that. And when I say quality time, I mean quality time. That means when they're home, you've got to spend time talking to your kids. You know, you got to spend time taking walks with your kids. You gotta, you know, it's not just being in the house together. It's, 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 it's being engaged together. Because you can be in the house together if your son or daughter locks himself in their room and they're in their own world and you're, you're in your own space. That's not, that's not what I call quality time. I'm talking about really being able to take time and really love each other. That's number one. Number two, to say that you're going to be, uh, to volunteer some time to the degree that you can 
at that school because when you are involved and your presence is known, if you're the parent that people know at the school, not for being a loud mouth or starting to, trying to start trouble, but being the parent at the school who is there to try to help, um, inherently what happens is that they will look out for your child that much more. It's, it's, mm-hmm. know, it's squeaky wheel gets the grease, but, but just mm-hmm. the fact that, that when they know that you're around, they're going to pay just that much more attention to your particular child. It's just, it's just what it is. And I think that that's really very, very important. And I think finally I would just say, I mean, there's so many things that we could say, but just off the top of my head, I would also say um, to connect with other other parents, you know, and get to know other parents and, 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 and collectively, you know, when you come out, just work to try to get the parent uh, bond and get parents, other parents to be engaged so it's not just you. But if you right. if you know your if you know that your child your child has a best friend in school, get to know their their parent, you know, and so that there's a connection there, you know. Mm-hmm. Get to know your parent, your children's, uh, get to know your children's friends, and get to know their parents. Um, you all got something in common. There's a common interest there, and stay connected and be bonded together, uh, and and work to do the best that you can to try to improve the school, um, and and not just your own individual child. Exactly. Brother David Banks, I like everything that I've heard. I can only say that may God bless the student body to take advantage of all the opportunities in the Eagle Academy and for the parents to back the Eagle Academy's mission 1,000%. And for those of us who are in a position to lend either mentorship or other kinds of guidance, to what your cause is to do that, and for others to incorporate ideas that you've dropped on us in this hour interview and incorporate those ideas in their schools or in their family or in their lodges, their mosques, their one-day school on the weekend, get that started and begin to do a bang-up job. It's easy to be winners because our children are so gifted and talented. All we have to do is give them the right environment and they will take from there. So, my brother, I want to thank Brother Zach for setting up this interview with you, and I want to thank you and your dad and all the rest of the Eagle Academy Foundation, the 100 Black Men, for doing the work that is having a ripple effect, a positive ripple effect among the children and the families of those who have gone and are going to the Eagle Academy. God bless you with a beautiful and a safe weekend, my brother. God bless you too, my brother Leroy. Thank you so much, and to all your listeners as well. And have a great evening. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our engineers, Sister Rafika and Brother James, and the rest of the team for making this interview possible on Blog Talk Radio. I want to thank you all for your presence and pass on the information that you've heard on this program. Folks can tune in. Even after the day, there's an archive. You go to blogtalkradio.com, look for the communicators with Brother Leroy, and you look for today's date, and they'll be able to pick up this interview. May God continue to bless each and every one of you. Thank you very much. Peace. Thank you for listening to the communicators on the Keys 107 Network. Join our Facebook group page, The Keys, opening doors to endless possibilities. 
Follow us on Twitter at TheKeys107 and email us with suggestions or questions at suggestions at sign TheKeys107Network.com and don't forget to visit our webpage TheKeys107Network.com If The Keys 107 Network isn't on your blog talk radio, then your blog talk radio isn't really on.
You are listening to The Communicators on the Keys 107 Network with your host, Brother Leroy, on Blog Talk Radio. Well, yeah. 